I don't want this to sound political, but we went to the uh, Costco the other day and we walked by the meat coolers, you know, just kind of browsing. Um, we didn't want to have to dip into our savings to buy anything. Inflation. The definition is a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. And that's a real understatement, isn't it? What we're going through right now. This is what was on um, Facebook the other day. Is my gas tank bill is starting to look like my grocery bill. And my grocery bill is starting to look like my Costco bill. And my Costco bill is starting to look like a mortgage payment. And I don't know how people are affording to live right now. Well, our Costco bill wasn't quite as much as our mortgage payment, but it was more than we usually spend when we go there. Because things that we normally buy, you know, we can see that, you know, they're they're going up and up and up. Well, we're blessed that the Lord continues to meet our needs. And he's given us the wisdom to postpone any of the wants that we have. Now, Satan has really taken a toll on a lot of people right now. Many not as well off as we are. So what does that mean to me? It means that because I'm able to, I need to give more. Helping others to meet their needs. God can and will use those that are not effective or not affected as deeply as others to help those that are. Now, it's not a good time to hold tight to what the Lord has blessed us with. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that we are blessed. And we live in a, a great country. We have uh, freedoms that so many other countries do not have. And Lord, we, we know that things are kind of tight right now for some people. So Lord, show us how and where and what ways we can give to meet the needs of others. And so Lord, as we look at your message today, Father, help us to to glean from this what you expect us to. And Lord, whether one person listens to this or a hundred people listen, Lord, they may get um, different messages from it. So Lord, just open our minds, our hearts, and our spirits, and let your Holy Spirit just help us to be guided along. Amen. Well, my goal in this message is to look at the times and places that Jesus prayed. So let me start with the one that may be the most well-known, uh, Luke 22, beginning in verse 39. It says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to a place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Well, all four Gospels give an account of this. Now, Mark and Matthew say that he went to Gethsemane. And like I said, Luke said that he went to the Mount of Olives. And John simply says he went to an olive grove. Well, in Matthew and Mark, more than once, Jesus rebuked the disciples for sleeping. Are the details of this really important? Well, not really, especially not in this case, because Jesus probably prayed the most difficult and most sincere prayer when he was on earth. It said that his sweat became like drops of blood. Now, for any of you doubters, that is a physical possibility. Now, let me give you the first time that we know of Jesus praying. And it may be one that you missed. In Luke 3, John the Baptist was at the Jordan, baptizing any that would come forward. And then in Luke 3, 21 and 22, we're told this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Okay, so, you know, I hadn't noticed that before. As many times as I've read that passage, I didn't have it click that when Jesus was baptized, that he prayed. Okay, now Luke records many times when Jesus prayed, so it shows the importance uh, to Luke that prayer was. So let's look at a time that he had a really important prayer for us. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in, beginning in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is a powerful, powerful prayer. Okay, and I'm not going to break this down and attempt to explain all the meaning that there is there. Another message sometime. But if you've gone to church, especially a, a mainline church, you've heard this prayer. Uh, if you've gone to a funeral, there's a good chance that you've heard this prayer or a variation of it. Uh, some of them, instead of saying debts and debtors, say trespasses and 
We forgive those who trespass against us. Some say our sins, and as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Personally, I like the sin one, okay, because the trespasses and the debtors, eh, they don't really give me the meaning uh, totally that there is there. Now, to some people, the Lord's Prayer had to be said whenever you were in church. Okay, it was just, you know, people that, they just didn't feel like they had been to church if they hadn't said the Lord's Prayer. And this sometimes became a bone of contention, uh, well, among other things. But I believe that Jesus gave us this as an example of prayer. Now, Luke has an abbreviated version of this prayer in chapter 11, but it's different. Okay, in 11.1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Okay, so they observed Jesus praying probably several times before then. And, you know, they wanted to learn how to pray. They wanted to know the words that they needed to say, the things that were going to get God's attention or, you know, to be sincere in their praying. And so now verses 2 to 4, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation here. It says, Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Again, this is a model prayer. Okay, this is how you should pray, is what Jesus said. He didn't say, this is what you should pray. He said, this is how you need to pray. <clears throat> and so if we were to break this down, we'd see that, you know, it starts out with glorifying God and then, uh, you know, talking about the needs that we may have and thanking God for the things that he has done and, you know, wanting us to not, you know, be led into that temptation that's there for us. So when or where else do we find Jesus praying? Well, all four Gospels carry a version of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men plus the women and children. So this is Mark's account from chapter 6. He told the disciples to, to feed the crowd. You know, it was getting later in the day and and so, you know, everybody was probably hungry. And so he says, well, you know, you can you can feed them. And, and they said, we can't feed them. Are you kidding me? There's like 15,000 people here. That would take half a year's wages. Well, he then asked them what food, you know, what, what can you find? You know, who's got something there? And so they came up with five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus had the people sit in groups of 50s and 100s. Now, I got to stop there because I don't know the significance of that. 
okay? But I imagine that there is some, you know, that Mark probably wouldn't have put it in there if there wasn't some kind of significance to it. But Mark tells us this in verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. So Jesus prayed for the meal to be multiplied so all could be fed from just this little bit. Okay, five loaves and two fish. And they probably weren't big loaves. They probably weren't much more than a roll. And two fish. And not only did 15,000 people, more or less, get fed from that, but there were leftovers as well. And we find Jesus feeding 4,000 in the Gospels as well and praying for multiplication. Well, John chapter 11 is the only place that we're told about Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. <clears throat> you know the story, right? Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters, sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Well, Jesus decided to wait for a couple of days before he goes back to Bethany. Well, when Jesus and his disciples are close, Martha sees him and she runs out to meet him. And she's not happy. In verse 21, she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus tries to calm her down. He says, you know, your brother will rise again. Well, that's not what she wanted to hear because Jesus was talking about, you know, the day is going to come when all the dead will rise. And she knew that. She knew what he was talking about or thought she knew what he was talking about. So anyways, Martha, she goes back down and she tells Mary that Jesus is there. And so Mary, she beats a path to where Jesus is and she says the same thing to Jesus. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. So Jesus asked, you know, well, where have you put him? Where's Lazarus? And then he gets there and we get the famous verse 35, chapter 11, the Gospel of John. Jesus wept. Okay, that verse that especially youth say, oh, I'm going to memorize some scripture. You know, John 11, 35 is Jesus wept. But it's an important verse. Well, Jesus goes to the tomb and he gets there and he says, take away the stone. And Martha says, you know, it's been four days that he's been in there and, you know, it's really going to be a bad odor. Well, then we get to verse 41. It says, So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I want to thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus prayed for his friend. And he told him to take the stone away and... Lazarus came out. Well, this all happened so God could be glorified. Because 
Jesus didn't have to go where Lazarus was for him to be healed. When he got word that Lazarus was sick, he could have said, you know, he's going to be healed, don't worry about it. And that could have been the end of it. Because we know there were other times when he did just that. So we read about this in other places in the Gospels. When Jesus wasn't present to heal someone. It tells us in verse 18 that Bethany, where Lazarus was, was about two miles from Jerusalem. And in verse 19, it says, many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them. So there were several people there. Okay, when Jesus went to the tomb, there were several people there when Jesus prayed to his father. There were several people there when Lazarus came out of the tomb. Glory to God. Well, in Luke 18, Jesus tells us this parable. Luke 18, beginning in verse 2. It says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. What was Jesus' purpose in this parable? Well, it's that we need to be persistent in prayer. Going back to Gethsemane, okay, three times that night, Jesus went to his father and asked that the cup would be taken from him. Okay, Jesus was being persistent in prayer, but then he said, not my will, but yours, Father. That's what I want done. Well, Matthew 14 tells us of one of the times when Jesus prayed. Now, this was right after he'd fed the 5,000. So in Matthew 14, verses 22 and 23, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Okay, by himself to pray. You know, he purposely sent the disciples away, and then he dismissed the crowd and got rid of everybody. And this is he, he went up on a mountainside. He didn't just stay right there and pray where everybody else had been. He wanted to go someplace else, some solitary place, and be able to pray. Well, and again, in Mark 1, verses 35 to 37, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Okay, Jesus had to sneak off by himself to find the time that he needed with his father. Hmm, 
Do you think he was maybe setting an example for you and I that we need to be able to find times to get away from everybody else and spend time in prayer? I think maybe. Well, there's many other times in the Gospels that we read about Jesus praying. And there's probably countless times that are not recorded. I imagine times that Jesus didn't know where he was or what he was doing. So what about us? Should we be spending more time in prayer? Let's take a look at what Jesus' brother tells us about this in James chapter 5. He asks the question, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down the rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Are we to pray? Yeah, we are to pray for ourselves, we're to pray for others. I think James makes that pretty clear. You know, there's a lot of songs, a lot of hymns that speak about prayer. And I chose one that you may or may not know. Didn't make a lot of hymnals, but it's one that I really like because of the message and because it just kind of moves right along. Okay, and it starts out with a chorus. Every time I feel the Spirit... Moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Up on the mountains, my Lord spoke. Out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Looked all around me. It looked so fine. I looked, I asked the Lord, could it be mine? Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I will pray. The Jordan River is chilly and cold. It chills the body, but not the soul. There ain't but one train upon this track. It runs to heaven and then runs right back. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, I have sorrow and I have woe. I have heartaches here below, but while God leads me, I'll never fear, for I know that he is near. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Jesus moves us to pray. And so if he found it necessary to pray, I guess we should too. So let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks 
that we can come to you anytime. We can come to you any place, and we can pray to you about anything or for anyone. That we don't have to say specific words. We don't have to be kneeling with our eyes closed and our heads bowed and our hands folded. That, Lord, you can hear us no matter what, no matter where we are. And, Lord, sometimes the prayers need to be the simplest that, that we can give because you know already what's going on. You know what the need is. And so, Father, help us to always come to you. But, Lord, not just come to you with a, with a shopping list of, you know, we need this and this person needs that, but come to you, first of all, giving you praise for who you are and the great things that you've already done in our lives. So, Father, help us to pray in that way. And Lord, I, I know that my brothers and sisters know that, but sometimes we get too caught up in, in asking, too caught up in uh, wanting. Lord, let us get caught up in coming back and giving thanks for those answers of prayer as well. So Lord, I lift up anyone that may be listening to this that doesn't know you, that uh, they don't really know how to pray or what to pray or uh, know anything about prayer. Uh, they've maybe heard somebody pray someplace, or maybe they've seen somebody, seen it on TV. Maybe they've been to church, been to a funeral, and heard that Lord's Prayer. And uh, so, Lord, let them know that they need to pray, and that it's just between them and you right now that they pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Please forgive me. I know I've fallen short. I know I sin. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your forgiveness, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for all my sins. Thank you that he rose from the dead and he's coming back again. And now I know that he's coming for me. In Jesus' name, amen.